Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Throughout each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone, and that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We cultivate leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we're encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we'll be hearing from Dr. Timothy Fuller. Dr. Timothy Fuller is the Associate Director of Evangelism and African American Specialist at Texas Baptist. Dr. Fuller earned a Bachelor of Arts in Communications from the University of Texas at Arlington, a Master of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and in spring of 2018, he earned a PhD in Homiletics from Southwestern Baptist Seminary, the first African American to graduate from the School of Preaching. Dr. Fuller has been an adjunct professor at Southern Bible Institute and College in Dallas, Texas, and at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He has conducted numerous workshops and seminars locally, nationally, and internationally in hermeneutics, expository teaching and preaching, and apologetics. He has taught Bible classes in the Philippines, Dominican Republic, and in India. He served as interim pastor at St. John Missionary Baptist Church in Euless, Texas, and has served on several Texas Baptist church staffs. Without further ado, Dr. Timothy Fuller. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Kendall for that introduction. I told him to keep it short and sweet, and he did just that. I am glad to be at Criswell College. I'm excited to preach a word to these students today. Now I have about 20 minutes. I was about to tell Dr. Creamer, that takes me that long just to clear my throat. (laughs) But I'm excited about being here today. Thank you so much, President. Thanks so much, Luis Juarez, for this opportunity to preach in chapel. There's a word from the Lord found in Luke chapter 5. Now, I don't know if you recognize this. I am an African-American preacher. (laughs) And we have in our tradition call and response. That means, ladies and gentlemen, that if I say something that you agree with, it's all right to say amen. amen. Y'all, y'all with me today? Yes, Luke chapter 5, in your own private praying time, I want you to read all of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, because that makes up the context and the content of what we're going to be studying today. When you find it, say amen. amen. I'm going to read from the ESV, and it reads on this wise, on one occasion, While the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were, listen to this, washing their nets. Getting to one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, look what he said, Master, 
We've toiled, we're exhausted. We've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets began to break. They signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Look what it says. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the great catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And look what they do. And when they brought the boats to land, the Bible says they left everything and followed him. If I put a tag on this text, Dr. Kramer, I'll talk about lessons learned at a lake. You can say amen. amen. Lessons learned at a lake. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words. We see Jesus throughout the Gospels. He speaks to us in pictures. When he wants to talk about worry, ladies and gentlemen, he gives us a picture. He doesn't necessarily tell us the Greek and the Hebrew idea of worry. What he does, he gives us a picture. He said, look at the birds. <laughs> because a picture is worth a thousand words. Sometimes Jesus speaks to us not just through these proverbial sayings, but he also speaks to us through propositions. He speaks to us through his preaching ministry, the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. He gives us pictures. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus speaks to us in pictures, doesn't he? But also he speaks to us in pictures, not only in, in, in Proverbs, but he speaks to pictures also. He paints pictures with parables. When he wants to talk about what it means to be neighborly, he doesn't go to State Farm and say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, because they will deny your claim, by the way. <laughs> but what he does, he goes to the neighborliness of the good Samaritan. He does it, ladies and gentlemen, through a picture. Jesus speaks to us through pictures, propositionally, proverbially. But one way he speaks to us through pictures is through what you call wisdom saying or proverbs. When he talks about the danger of sin, what he suggests is, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right eye offends you, plug it out. He speaks to us, ladies and gentlemen, in pictures. But not only proverbial and propositional, he also speaks to us through patterns and practices. One thing I like about Jesus is Jesus didn't practice what he preached. Jesus preached what he practiced. And what Jesus does, if you look at the patterns of Jesus, the practices of Jesus, he gives us a model for us to mimic. He gives us ideas for us to imitate. And in this text, as I look at not just the proverbial sayings of Jesus or the propositional truth of Jesus, when I look at the pattern and the practice of Jesus, in this text, he teaches us some lessons we can learn from a lake. The text says it's the lake of Gennesaret. Some people call it the Sea of Galilee. And in this little brief allotted time, 
in the time I have today, I got about 20 minutes. Can I just give you some lessons that we can learn from this lake? Because there's more to this text, Luis, that meets the eye. The text says, and the crowds were pressing upon him to hear the word of God. Now, see, I know you are students here at Criswell College. And another thing you're going to learn, uh, I, I like Jesus in this text because Jesus teaches us that not only do we need to be able to communicate to clergy, but we also need to be able to communicate to crowds. It's right here in the text. And you know what? Because in Luke chapter 4, Dr. Kramer, he, he preaches to us in the synagogue. But in Luke chapter 5, he preaches to us at a seaside. I tell students all the time that a lot of times we're so focused on synagogue sermons, but we need to start focusing on seaside sermons. And in this text, ladies and gentlemen, gives, Jesus gives a lesson to those at Chriswell College that are going your Greek and your Hebrew and doing your languages and doing your, all your theology and everything you need to, and do things that make you good to preach to clergy. But one thing I'd encourage you is you've got to learn how to speak to the crowd. You've got to learn how to communicate to the crowd. And then this crowd is pressing upon him to hear the word of God. And I want to suggest to you that the crowd may not be impressed that you know what the passive participle is. The crowd may not know how, how much you know your systematic theology and your biblical theology. The, the, the crowd may not be impressed with your fine parts of, parts of exegesis. Because ladies and gentlemen, one lesson I learned from the lake is that we as students need to be able to communicate to crowds. I like that. Jesus is pressing upon him. Watch what the crowd's doing. They're pressing upon him, verse 1, to hear the word of God. See, not only do we need to communicate to the, to the crowd, but I like Jesus, and I like this crowd. It needs to be commended, and it needs to be congratulated. It needs to be commended and congratulated for the crowd are coming to Jesus for the right reason. They're coming, watch this, to hear the word of God. And as you graduate through Chriswell College and as you further your studies, one thing you're going to need to give the crowd is not some pop psychology. You need to give them the word of God. You don't need to tell them five ways to love your mother, ten ways to do this, some way. You don't need to give them a message that's just going to be feel good. Sometimes they need the word of God. Here's what the crowd does, Dr. Cream. They came upon him to hear the word of God, and he sees two boats. And here's what Jesus does. The fishermen, the Bible says, had gone out of them. Watch this, and they were washing their nets. Can I pause parenthetically to point out something in this pericope that interested me? These fishermen understood one thing, Dr. Kramer. They understood that it's hard to catch fish with nasty nets. Maybe I need to say that one more time. The text says, it's in your Bible if you ain't tore it out of there. It says they were washing their nets. Y'all see that? Because the fishermen understood that it's hard to catch fish with nasty nets. So they're washing. Fishing symbolizes evangelism, doesn't it? And you may know, may know all you have, may know all the stuff about systematic theology, biblical theology, and exegesis, and hermeneutics, and homiletics, but can I suggest something to you? It's hard to catch fish with nasty nets. That's not even personally, that's denominationally. 
The reason we don't have baptism or doubt is not because we don't know theology. It may be because our nets are nasty. It may be because what the world sees on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter is us attacking one another, people that have the same theology, same evangelical, conservative, orthodox theology, and we're attacking them, and people, people in the world say, I don't want nothing to do with that. Nasty nets. And this text helps us because when you get and speak to a crowd, they can tell when your net is nasty. They can tell when your net is not clean. And maybe we need to spend some time, just as much time on our theology that we do on cleaning our nets. You want people are not impacted by the gospel anymore? I think it's because Many of our nets are just simply nasty. And Jesus gets in one of the boats. And then here's what he does. He, he, he gets in one of the boats. It was Simon's. And the text says he began to teach people. He sat down and began to teach people from the boat. What Jesus does, Kendall, is he makes his own pulpit. I like that. Because, because, see, in the synagogue, he had a platform and a pulpit. But you don't get that on the seaside, do you? You don't get, you don't get a lectern at a lake. <laughs> so I like what Jesus does. He turns whatever he's using into a pulpit. See, Jesus understands that he's not so focused on places to preach. Wherever Jesus is, he becomes a preacher. And I encourage the, those that are preachers are teachers whether it's a life group, or at the lectern, I would encourage you to make your own pulpit. Your pulpit may be down the street at the Union Gospel Mission. Make that a pulpit. Your pulpit may be at home in your own life group, and you begin to teach people from your own pulpit. If I had some preachers here today, I'd tell them what you need to do is stop worrying about waiting for an opportunity on Sunday morning when your pastor is sick to get an opportunity. Maybe you need to make your own pulpit. I believe amen goes right there. <laughs> because what we need to do is make our own pulpit. Here's what happens. Jesus begins to teach the people from the boat. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus, after he gets through preaching, the text says that he tells Simon Peter, let down your nets for a catch. Y'all see that in the text? Because here's what Jesus tells. He said, there'll come the time where you're going to have to practice what you preach. You're going to have to practice and put into practice what Jesus has just said. And I'm going to challenge those here today that Jesus is going to tell you something to do. And in this, in this little response, Peter says, well, Jesus, I hate to tell you this. He said, if I just look at it, Jesus, see, you're just a carpenter. I'm in the fishing business. And everybody knows that you don't fish during the day. <laughs> you fish at night. But Jesus says, talks to us, and tells us, not only to these would-be disciples, these would-be followers, he tells that to you today. Sometimes the word that Jesus speaks to you 
may be incomprehensible. It doesn't make sense. Why would I do it like that? Jesus, you, you stay focusing on your bench and your chairs, leave the fishing to us. And I came to tell you somebody, tell somebody today that Jesus may tell you to do something. Family doesn't understand it, friends don't understand it, but God may call you to do something that's incomprehensible. Launch out. But also, watch this, it may be the fact that it's not only incomprehensible, and here's why I'm gonna lose all my friends. It's also inconvenient. Well, how do I know that it's inconvenient? Because the text says they had to go get the nest they just washed. They had to go back out to the place they just came from. And Jesus says, I know it's inconvenient, but God sometimes calls you to do things that are inconvenient. We live in a society of convenience, don't we? I mean, we have microwave everything. We have a microwave mentality. Everything is quick now, instant, isn't it? We have instant grits, instant rice, instant oatmeal, instant mashed potatoes. You can microwave this, you can microwave that. You don't have to cook that long anymore. You can get a convenient dinner now. Just go to it, pop it in the microwave, and there you go. It's, we love convenience, don't we? Matter of fact, across the street, there's a 7-Eleven. They call it a convenience store. Because we love convenience, but ladies and gentlemen, in life of ministry, one lesson we learn is that God sometimes tells us to do some things that may be a little inconvenient. But watch this. Here's what Peter says, and I'm almost done, but can I just tell you this? Peter says, first of all, Jesus, I'm frustrated. Second of all, Jesus, I ain't feeling it. I've fished all night. I'm exhausted. Also, Jesus, the facts are not on our side. Because what we do is we fish at night. That's the time we fish. We don't fish in the day. The fact of the, we live in a fact-based society, don't we? Even in politics, when people give speeches, they got a factcheck.org. <laughs> because we love facts. Peter gives them the facts. But here's the thing. One thing I learned at this lake that we're going to push past our frustration, push past the facts, Push past our feelings to faith. Look what Peter says. He said, nevertheless, at your word, he responds in faith. Notice something in the text, ladies and gentlemen, that when he says that, Master, we have fished all night. Nevertheless, I will let down the net. I like that. Because he moves from the plural to the singular. Y'all see that? He said, Master, we have fished all night. Nevertheless, I will let down the net. Come, come, come closer when I tell you this. Though sometimes you're going to have to operate by faith even if you have to do it by yourself. Amen. Nevertheless, I will let down the net. And you know what happens in the text. The text says, and after they had done this, See, it's interesting that Klaus Dr. Cream is when did they get these load of fish after they had done this. See, many of us want this but not willing to do that. Look at that. He said, after they had done this, they enclosed a great number of fish to where the nets began to break, and they signaled to their partners to come help them. 
And here's what I want to tell you. One thing I learned from the lake is that when God blesses you, it's not for you to sit, soak, and sour. It's for you to be a partner, share with somebody else. See, the reason God cannot get stuff to us is because he cannot get stuff through us. <laughs> Here's what he does, ladies and gentlemen. They signal to the other partner, and I've had time, I'll talk about what they got, is they got produce, they got profits, they got proceeds. I'd have time to unpack that, because they're in the fishing business, so they got profits, right? They're going to eat some of that, right? But they're also going to give that away some proceeds. But can I tell you this? I like how the story ends, because the story ends after they brought things to land. After Peter has a new perspective on who he is, I'm a sinful man, O oh Lord. He gives a new perspective on who Jesus is. In the first part of the story, he's calling Jesus master, but at the end of the story, he's calling Jesus Lord. I like that, because they get a new perspective on who Jesus is. And the text says, and he left all and followed him. Wait a minute. Kendall, you've been wanting this fish and you're going to leave it behind? I thought that is what you are praying for. See, because not only when Jesus does a miracle like this in your life, it not only gives you a new perspective on who he is, a new perspective on who you are. It also gives you a new perspective on what you have. I like that, ladies and gentlemen. He left all and followed him. Because you know what else I learned at the lake? And I close with this. What Peter teaches us is that when you follow Jesus in times of inconvenience, inconsistency, incomprehensibility, if you follow Jesus, fish, would never be a problem. I'm talking to somebody today. Just worry about provision. You know what Jesus teaches us? He said, if you follow him, fish will never be a problem. When they need to pay the tax, Jesus says, go fish it. And when you catch the fish, bring it up and the tax the coin is going to be in the fish. And Peter understood at that point, fishing or fish will never be a problem. At the close of Jesus' ministry, he had another incident like this, but they had fished all night. And then Jesus said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they took on a whole bunch of fish. And they realized at that point, fish will never be a problem. Maybe I'm talking to somebody that's worried right now about provision. I'm a living witness that when you follow Jesus, fish will never be a problem. Will you pray with me? Because I want to I lift you up today. Father, we thank you for these lessons that we learned at this lake. We thank you, Father, that you, even sometimes we can't understand, you give us uh, a word that's designed to help us. We can't understand it. It's incomprehensible. 
But Father, I just pray for these students today that even in those times, they will not operate out of frustration. They will not operate out of just facts. They will operate in faith. And Father, there's somebody here this morning that's worried about this kind of provision and worried about that. Worried about how they're going to do with family issues, financial issues, even some faith issues. Father, I pray for them. Let them realize that fish will not be their problem when they follow you. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's clap uh, one more time for Dr. Fuller. Dr. Fuller, God bless you. Thank you. What a word. Thank you, sir. What a powerful word. I, I love that kind of preaching because especially okay. if you're a preacher as well, that's the kind I'm of preaching to, to make you want to preach. <laughs> so I can't, I can't wait to go back and reread through that passage of Scripture because uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm most definitely for sure that I'm probably going to have to <laughs> preach that text. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Dr. Fuller, so you said so much, and one, thank you so much for sharing what God had for you to give to us. You mentioned in the sermon that when we, when we speak to the crowd, that they can tell when we have nasty nets. And just so we can understand what nasty nets consist of, I, I can imagine that you're talking about character, something that in the culture... Um, the world may say it doesn't matter, that integrity doesn't matter, but essentially, you're, you're tr- are you trying to say basically that character today in 2023 still matters, that righteousness in Christ still matters? Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think what sort of prompted that is when I was reading it. I think, I think what, what breaks my heart is what goes on in Christendom now, the nastiness on Twitter, the nastiness on Facebook, Instagram and the people that I know for years have been quote unquote orthodox conservative evangelical have been destroyed on Twitter and I'm saying I expect that from the crowd I respect I expect that vitriol from people that are atheistic but Jesus said you are you People shall know you are my disciples, not because you're exegesis. You will know my disciples not because you're orthodoxy or your covenant or reform or your pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. They're not going to know that you love one another based upon that. They're going to know that you love that, that you are a disciple because you have a love for one another. And, and people that are going, that are what you call deconstructing, they're, they're stepping away from the church, stepping away from, from, from Christ, stepping away from the faith. And I believe a lot of it has to do with how we've treated one another. And we say, well, why, are you, why come we're not evangelizing? How come people are not coming to Christ? People see that they see how you do their own. If you do your brother like that, whether it be personally or denominationally. If you do him like that, I ain't got a chance. What I need to come to that hate-filled community, that vitriol. I mean, I'll find more love and compassion outside of that. 
So I said, and so I think about, man, if that's the reason they, they were washing the nets. And that one text said they were mending their nets because it does no good to catch fish if you can't hold them. And so there are men in the nets keeping, keeping these things. And, and, and it was just, I was just frustrated because the character and, and stuff like that, we want it on everybody else except us. Right? We want it out our politicians, but we don't want it out our preachers. You know, we want it out of the crowd, but we don't want it out of the clergy. We give people passes. And I said, man, it's like Lord said, I mean, man, we got a lot of nets that need to be washed. If I was in the African-American church, I'd tell somebody, tell your neighbor, you need to wash your neck. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I was waiting for that. <laughs> you know, we come from the same tradition, of course. And so that pivots me to the next part of my question about practicing you know, what we preach. And that's often very difficult, especially when we're preaching on topics that's hard for us. When we're preaching on matters in Scripture, that's difficult for us. Some of us in this room have an anger problem. Some of us in this room have an issue with forgiveness. Some of us in this room have issues with, with all kinds of things, but that doesn't mean that we don't preach it and teach it. Uh, from a practical sense, as well as spiritual, uh, what does that walk Monday through Friday when Sunday is over and the yeah. sermon is through? What does that look like? To practice what you preach? That's a good question. That's a good question. I think, particularly for those that are students of Scripture, uh, a lot of times we look at the Scripture as a window in which we see others. A lot of times you hear preaching, people say, man, my cousin need to be here to hear that. Or my brother need to be here. You're looking at the Scripture as a window. God designed the Scripture to be looked at as a mirror. Not a window in which we see others, but a mirror in which we see ourselves. And God exposes us through mirrors. James says that, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks at himself in a mirror and believes not even remembering how he looked. So when you're dealing with text in theology, when you're dealing with text in exegesis and hermeneutics, when you're dealing with the history of preaching or the history of the church and what it to, whatever you do, look at that as a mirror and say, you know what? There's some things I need to do. And here's the thing, God gives you grace. The song talked about that, didn't it? God gives you grace to look at the mirror and say, you know what? These are things I need to change. And God will give you the grace to do it. And uh, my, I have a lot of Pentecostal friends. I said the Holy Spirit is there more than make you shout and jump. Right. The Holy Spirit comes alongside you to help you deal with your anger comes alongside you to help you deal with those issues in your life. So what you need to do is, is many people look at the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit gets, gets we get it, the Holy Spirit, or we have people shout. So here's the thing, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not having the Holy Spirit having, you having more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit having more of you. Hmm. And what you need to do, like F. Franklin Brotherton Meyer said this, he said, even if those things that we struggle with, he said this, he said, Lord, I'm not willing, but if you'll make me willing to be willing, I'll give it to you. <laughs> so when you look at your own everyday life and you say, there's some things you say, I'm not willing to let you into this part of my life. Jesus understands that. But you need like be like F.B. Meyer said, Lord, I'm not willing, but if you'll make me willing 
to be willing. I'll let you have that part of my life. And you do it on a day-to-day basis. Jesus says, to follow him, you must take up your Christ's cross, not just on Sunday, during the preaching hour, but you take up your cross daily and follow me. That's powerful. I appreciate you, Dr. Fuller. Uh, let's go to the crowd real quick, the audience. Does anyone have a question? Any questions? Okay, we have one right here. Amen. How you doing? Uh, I was going <laughs> to ask, you had talked about uh, communicating in the crowds in the beginning of the sermon, and then I wanted to ask, so how do you stop from being consumed by the crowd? Here's the thing. Uh, I think Jesus gives us models. See, here's the thing. If you're a good speaker, a good communicator, now, we, first of all, what do you mean by consumed by the crowd? Let me get that. <laughs> uh, like, how do you fall, like, how do you prevent yourself from falling into the crowd? Because I feel like whenever you surround, if you're probably in the crowd for too long, you start to look like the people that's in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good question. I, a lot of times it is, you got to ma- maintain, as much as you can, maintain your distinctiveness, right, when you're dealing with crowds. Because it's easy to conform. Romans helps us. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can either be conformed to the world, conformed to the crowd, which is easy, because you want to get likes, you want to get a thumbs up, you want to get people to respond to that. And a lot of times that can be addictive. Y'all with me? You, you, you can get addicted to the amens and the pats on the back and the, and the handshakes and you get sort of conformed to the crowd. But what you need to do is, is make sure that you are strong and rely on the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? I'm going to be in here. I'm going to be in the world, but I'm not going to be of the world. I'm not going to let the world shape me to its mold. Uh, are y'all ready for Thanksgiving? Free coming up? One thing I know, I, I, uh, I think Dr. McCoy is here. Uh, one thing we good to see you, by the way. One thing we do is, um, in Af- we, we, in African-American community, we don't make cranberry sauce from scratch. We get it out of the can. And uh, one thing uh, that I noticed is that I open up the cranberry sauce and I pour it out. And what happens is, it has the ridges on it. it it looks just like the can. Right. <laughs> Talk about it. So what happened is, is the cranberry sauce had conformed to the can. And Dr. Cream, I hate to say this. But <laughs> we have a lot of cranberry Christians that have been conformed to the can. But you need to be like corn. <laughs> When you're pouring corn out, it doesn't have the shape of the can, does it? It has individual kernels that remain. So you can either be a cranberry sauce Christian or a kernel corn Christian. You have to decide which one you're going to be. You see? So that's how you do it. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to come, and, and you've got to always be mindful. Hey, man, I, when, in those times when you feel like you want to conform, you resist that temptation and her. you got a lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and a pride of life. Those things want to get you to conform. You've got you to fight it at every turn. 
Good question. Excellent question. Thank you. Anyone, anyone else? Just right next to him, my bad. Um, <laughs> I had another question uh, based on what you were talking about um, and also one that popped up from Luke um, from when you were talking about how Peter said, like, you know, when Jesus told him, hey, put your net on the other side of the boat, and Peter's kind of, like, sitting there going, like, like, I know what I'm doing. And so <laughs> when we get like that, I know, like, some students and some people when we get into ministry we can begin to have a hardened heart and a hardened mind to not let people influence us and let people like help us grow and so what are some ways that we can be like Peter in this story and just genuinely just break down walls and let some people that we don't think are able to help us lead and grow and what are some ways that we can just break down those walls and just be able to just take it not necessarily advice but like influence from other people. Good, good. I think one thing is, one thing I talk about is if we learn not only propositional and par- parabolic and proverbial truth from Jesus, if you look at Jesus' patterns, uh, throughout all his ministry, he gives us a glimpse of what he wants us to do. He's a go down, do likewise. Jesus spent a lot of time, y'all remember the story in John chapter four of the woman in Samaria and many of, us, many of us focus on she dropped her water pots, and that, that's good. Like, theologically, I, I, I'm right on with most people. But the, the text, it's a narrative, it's a story. It doesn't end that way. It, the, the, story, the story doesn't end at dropping the water pots. The story is by this, Dr. Kremier said, and Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. So it's a relational thing. A lot of it's going to come through relationship, breaking walls down, dealing with relationship. And sometimes you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable, and sometimes it's just got to be a move of faith. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just you, God will put it on your heart, and you just got to do it. I, wor- I left corporate America to pursue my Ph.D. I was making a good salary, and I quit to go to school. I went from making, I think it was back then, about $65,000, $70,000 a year. And I did my tax return when I went to Southwest Seminary, and I made $13,000. Wow. But what it was, man, it was a God's move, and I just got to step out on faith. Even in the midst of frustration, even, even when the facts are not on my side, even when I'm not feeling it, it's just got to be a faith move. And I know that's hard. Because we don't walk by sight, do we? We walk by faith, right? So it's a faith move. And then you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable to some friends. One thing good is that you have friends here, right? God has made us to where we have to rely on one another. The problem with our English translation of these texts that we have, particularly in the epistles, we, tra- we, we translate the, the, the personal pronoun you as dealing with the individual. We look at it as an uh, uh, individual. It's just me and mine. So when it's about you work out your own salvation, we think it's about your individual. But it's not, in the Greek, it's not that it's, it's more of a plural. It's not a singular, it's plural. 
y'all work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. So it's, it's an interconnectedness that we need that not only makes us grow deeper, but also makes us grow higher, right? Now I'm a preacher, I've got to use one of the illustration. The redwood trees in California. Y'all know the trees that go up, they're so high. You would think, Kendall, that the root system would go down deep, wouldn't you? But the root system is not so much deep as it's intertwined with other root systems. And the reason they can grow high is not because the root system grows deep, is that it grows out and is interconnected. That's why we need one another in those times of frustration. Because there's gonna be times when you're gonna wanna throw in the towel, you're gonna wanna quit. You're gonna wanna say, I can't do it anymore, this class is too hard, I'm not good at writing papers, I'm not, uh, man, this, this exegesis is Greek, I just can't get it in my mind around it. I mean, I can't remember these dates and times and places and like church history class. You're gonna feel like that and you say, well, I'm done. That's when the interconnectedness of other people helps you through that process. That's Did I answer the question? Thank you, brother. That's powerful, and it's that, that I'm grateful for our connection as yeah. well as the connection of our brothers and sisters in Christ here. Dr. Fuller, thank you so much. Let's give thank a hand you. for him. Thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, you're all dismissed. God bless you. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.